year. Thank you. Who's been away? Right. This morning I am going to talk to us about the most popular woman in the Bible. Who knows who she is? No. No, she's the largest. The most popular woman in the Bible, see none of you guessed her, is Joy. Because the Old Testament writers and the New Testament writers told us all we were to go out with her. This is the first Sunday of the new year. Wait. See how it goes on. Pardon? End with a bit. Okay. Nehemiah in Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah encouraged the Israelites by saying, The joy of the Lord is your strength. He is our strength. His joy is our strength. Romans 14, 17 tells us, The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Psalm 16. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Now, I tried to find a definition of the biblical word joy, but none of them satisfied me. They all fell short. And then I realized why. Because just like Philippians 4, 7 tells us that the peace we have from God transcends all understanding, listen to what 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 9 says. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Peter tells us that the joy is inexpressible. It's indescribable. Joy beyond words. Just as it's impossible to explain the peace that comes from God to those who don't have it, so it is to explain the joy from God that carries us through trials and griefs. When we aren't in peace, we are in turmoil. Peace is like putting a lid on a frying pan that's caught fire. 
it puts out the turmoil. If you are living in turmoil, fear, confusion, etc., then put the lid of God's peace on top of your thoughts. Love what you shared this morning. I never told my kids to watch their mouth. Not because I was the perfect mother and didn't speak to my children like that, but if I told my kids to watch their mouth, they would have come back and said, I can't see it. I know, they needed to be told to watch their mouth. I love that. Watch. Watch you speak. Because our words create. If you speak out turmoil and chaos, you will get turmoil and chaos. If you are living in this turmoil, cast your fears onto him, Jesus, and give joy permission to coexist with your grief, your trials, your soul earthquakes. Look to God, not to the situation. And let's face it, there are plenty of situations in this world at present that can cause us to live in fear. And that, of course, is the agenda of the enemy for us. Stop listening to the conspiracy theories. Oh, my gosh, I saw a great one yesterday. All these statistics posted by someone I know. I so wanted to text them and say, you check these out or you're just copying what someone else has put there. Grace won and I didn't. But seriously, some may be true. Some of these conspiracy theories may be true, but some of them definitely won't be because a lot of them contradict one another anyway. Instead of getting caught up in the things we cannot change, let's get caught up in the things that we can change. People we need to know, just because it's on Facebook, just because it's on Twitter, it doesn't mean it's truth. The only truth is this. Look to God, trust him and pray. Because the Bible tells us it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. We need to expect it. It says in the last days, lawlessness will abound. And we need to learn how to stand. How are we going to stand? I don't know how much more lawless it's got to get, but it says it's going to happen. And for us, we need to learn to stand in that situation. And I believe one of the things that will allow us to stand is the joy of the Lord that gives us strength. Joy is not happiness. Happiness is dependent on circumstances. Joy is different and is above circumstances. There are many scriptures that tell us to be joyful in suffering. And of course, I can't leave out James chapter 1 verse 2 today. You would all be disappointed if I overlooked that. Count it all joy when you face trials of many kinds. How can we do that? Well, I'm going to get to that shortly. But firstly, I want to expand out a little bit of what joy is. Now, joy is a fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22. And most of you don't need this up here on the overhead to read it. Come on, read it with me. I suppose some of you can't see it for me. Is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, 
goodness, faithfulness. Well, the fruit of the Spirit is released into our lives when we submit to the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's as we submit into the Holy Spirit taking over of our lives, of ourself, his fruits start to appear in our lives. The more we respond to the Holy Spirit working, the more the fruit will be evident. The enemy, of course, will do all in his power to stop you. He will whisper negative thoughts to you. He will keep you focused on your circumstances. He will tell you God doesn't care. Lies, lies, lies. Instead, believe the word of God, not your runaway, wayward thoughts. Don't rely on your thoughts. You know, I've thought things that have been, you know, so set in my mind, only to find later they weren't. But they can, your thoughts, you know, back again to what you said this morning, Vicky. Our thoughts can take us down. You know, you have a negative thought and who knows where it will travel. The next scripture is Luke chapter 10, verse starting at 17. And just a little bit of background. Jesus had sent out the 72, or some versions say 70, um, to the towns where Jesus was going to be going. He sent them out with authority and with power. So let's pick the story up in verse 17. The 72 returned with joy. There she is again. With joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Bit strange, isn't it? Why does Jesus tell us not to rejoice in our spiritual victories? Because we are in danger of thinking we are someone special. We are in danger of starting to believe it was because of us and not because of the Holy Spirit working through us. If we are not careful, we will start to get an arrogant attitude of, look at me, I'm someone special. Look at me, see how powerful I am. Look at me, see how spiritual I am. Yes, we rejoice because someone is saved, someone is set free. It's a come and see what the Lord has done. But this is not what the disciples were rejoicing in. Verse 17 said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. No, demons don't submit to us. They submit to Jesus. Jesus went on to say what we should rejoice in. Verse 20, the second part of that voice. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Why did he say this? Because it's safe. There is no danger of arrogance in it. 
we could do nothing to earn it. Our salvation is all Jesus and nothing but Jesus. He is the one who went to the cross and did what needed to be done for us. We rejoice in what he has done, not in what we have done, or at least think we have done when it was the Holy Spirit. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you understand? I hope so. I hope you can hear what my heart's saying this morning because there is so much more I could say about joy. So many scriptures in the Old and New Testaments that tell us to rejoice. Rejoice is a verb. It is an action word. It's a choice to rejoice, especially when you don't feel like rejoicing. That is when you most need to be rejoicing. It's a choice of getting our focus off what's going on in our lives and in this fallen world. The Bible tells us, as I said before, it's going to get worse. Don't get caught up in it. Get caught up in what God is doing. Fully submit to him. He is trustworthy. And don't lean on your own understanding and try and work out why things are happening. Yes, you can ask God the why question, but you probably are not going to get an answer. There are some things God keeps to himself. Some things he says, will you trust to me, even if, trust me, even if you don't know the why. And I would think here, and some of the traumas that some of us have been through, that there would be a lot of us who have asked why and not received an answer. Right, now turn to Romans chapter 12. Very familiar. Therefore I urge you, brothers and of course sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. You will notice it starts with the word therefore and you know that when there is a therefore, you need to go back and see what it is therefore. Romans chapter 11 describes how the Lord has grafted us, the Gentiles, into all that was and is available to the Israelites. And I don't have time to expand on that this morning because that will take us down a whole different path to what I believe the Lord is building into our hearts this morning. If you are not familiar with Romans chapter 11, please go back and read it and study it so you can really grab a hold of the truth that is in here and the reason why we can trust and rely on and love on our God. But chapter 11 finishes with the great praise declaration doxology describing our God. Come on, let's say it together. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments 
and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counsellor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory. Amen. Why would anyone want to hold back on coming into all that this wonderful God of ours is offering? Why would we settle for our own level of knowledge, understanding, wisdom, when God offers us his? Why would we settle for allowing our circumstances to dictate the level of joy and peace we live in? I don't know the answer. When we can live in the deeper realm of joy, no matter what our circumstances. In finishing, I want to clarify. Joy doesn't cancel out evil, grief and suffering. Throughout the New Testament, joy and suffering are often recorded as simultaneous experiences. Paul's letters written in prison often mention his joy. You see, it's not happiness. It's something deeper than happiness. It's something deeper. It's something that God releases into us. They don't cancel each other out. It isn't a case of if I am joyful enough, I won't suffer. It doesn't cancel out grief of a dear one lost. Grief of a broken marriage, grief of a child that's running amok, grief of huge disappointments, grief of ill health. Joy doesn't cancel these things out. Holy Spirit joy coexists with our sufferings and our griefs. And that church is hard to explain. And that is why joy is unexplainable. We have no words to describe how this can be. It just is. It is a miraculous work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The pain is real. It still hurts. Never, never pretend it doesn't and suppress it or trivialise it. But indescribably, for the true believer, suffering is accompanied by a tenacious, inextinguishable joy. We are not joyful because of what we are facing. We are joyful because of who God still is in the midst of our pain. We are joyful because... Our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. We are joyful because our cornerstone is still there, still firm, still in place, supporting us. But we have to choose to 
I, I want to say get our eyes off of our circumstances, but for those of us who have been in the deep places of grief and suffering, which is probably everyone in this room, we know you can't overlook your circumstances. They're there, they're raw, and they're part of us. But into this, invite the joy of the Lord. Invite the Holy Spirit to release that joy within you. And don't feel guilty because you have joy in the midst of this crisis. Because I'm telling you now, the enemy will tell you, well, if you've got joy, you're uncaring. How can you have joy? You don't care about what's happened. That is a lie from the pit of hell. The Lord releases into us his joy to hold us, his joy to keep us strong, his joy undescribable, indescribable, undescribable, I don't know. Amen. Amen. Oh, Father God, I pray for each and every one of us here this morning. Father God, I pray that we would be brave enough to ask for that joy, that we would be brave enough to hold on to you in the middle of our crises. And I stand against any guilt people would be feeling in the name of Jesus, any guilt of having joy in the midst of their grief. Father, I pray for each and every one here who is grieving um, or has still got undealt with issues that need to be dealt with. I pray, Father God, that today they will lay a hold of this message. Father God, for those of us who maybe aren't in the midst of a grief at the moment, I pray we along with those that are grieving, would grab a hold of the joy that comes from you because we are going to need to know it in the days that are ahead. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and do a work in each and every one of us. In Jesus' name. I'm just going to pause for a moment before we go on to communion because I believe the Holy Spirit is working in some people's lives right now. Thank you, Jesus. If you don't understand, because it's hard to understand. We can't describe joy. It's hard to understand. If you can't understand, just ask God to show you what it is that you need to understand about it so that you can come into it. He loves us so much. You know, I love his promise in Matthew 5 that says, Blessed are you who mourn, for you will be comforted. If you're in a place of grieving today, as I know a number of you are, why don't you open up your heart and allow God to comfort you? Let him comfort you. Doesn't mean you're putting your grief aside. It just means you're allowing him in to that place of grief.
Life isn't fair. But we were never promised that it would be fair. We've just been promised that the joy of the Lord will be our strength in our hard places. We are promised that he is with us as we go through the valley of the shadow of death, whether that be death of a person or death of dreams. He is with us, guiding us and leading us. Holy Spirit, I invite you to come and release joy into each and every heart here. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we turn our hearts towards communion, I want to share an article I read with by Chris Marshall. I read it in the Refreshed Journal of Contemplative Spirituality. And he said this, Joy is not unique to Christians, but there is something unique about Christian joy. You might say Christian joy is human joy on steroids. And then he goes on to tell us what the steroid injection is made of, made up of four truths four certainties. One, a confidence of Christ's triumph over dead and the forces of evil. Two, the knowledge of personal forgiveness of sins and freedom from moral defeat. Three, membership in a loving community of worship, equality and support, a place where you both find and give love and acceptance. And most importantly, total immersion in the pulsating life and power of the Holy Spirit. Let me read that again. The first um, component of that steroid injection, a confidence of Christ's triumph over death and the forces of evil the knowledge of personal forgiveness of sins and freedom from moral defeat, membership in a loving community of worship, equality and support, a place where you both find and give love and acceptance, and most importantly, total immersion in the pulsating life and power of the Holy Spirit. That's what our DNA has been injected with when we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour. 
as you take the emblems this morning, you might like to contemplate these points and give thanks to the Father for sending us Jesus, to Jesus for going the distance and for the Holy Spirit remaining within us, and for the joy that is ours in spite of our circumstances. Brothers and sisters, come serve yourselves from the table representing the love of Christ for us. Mm -hmm.